Thanks for joining us on Leading Beyond the Code by Cadre Connect. This is the podcast where we go beyond the surface of technology and explore the transformative power of leadership through interviews with industry leaders. Hosted by me, Ben Malloy. Okay, welcome to the show, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Jack Watts. Jack is Head of Product Development at BASE. It's great to have you on the show today, Jack. Thanks so much for taking this time on your Friday afternoon to or Friday morning to do this. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. It's nice to be here. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. But I think I think a nice place to start would be a bit of background on your kind of career history, just to get a, a bit of an insight into how you got up to head of product development at base, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Well, I actually started out in the film and TV industry as a 35 millimeter projectionist stroke service engineer and effectively started researching programming techniques and building my own tooling for when we switched from analog film into the digital world circa around 2004 up to 2006. And from there, I I just started uh, my own little businesses specifically around uh, media and and film and TV media delivery. So built like little tooling to build, uh, you know, edits and, and packaging and delivery of content. Back then it was DVD and Blu-ray and uh, iTunes. Uh, package delivery was slowly becoming mainstream. Mm-hmm. Also did a lot of work within the DCP game, which is the digital cinema packaging format of the movies that you go into the cinema to see. That's how they get delivered now. And moved to London and, and joined some of the big global companies that specialized in this realm and moved up the ranks there between managing the operational workflows with respect to the the tooling and development cycles, as well as actual infrastructure. At this point, cloud wasn't really a thing. Uh, We we did use more on-prem data data center orientated uh, processes where it was very much working with actual buying bare metal. And I think when virtual machine had gone to the point around 2010, 2011, we started embracing them a little bit more and then moved into, you know, cloud world when cloud started to, to, to take off and then started uh, slowly but surely embracing the SaaS world when that became of, how should I say, more reliable with respect to being able to move business functions into that realm and being off-prem. So it's been an interesting level of, of experience. So not just looking at code, but also thinking about uh, that code through an engineering lens, mm-hmm. hence the term software engineer, of being very much aware of you know whatever it is you do programmatically, how that affects the environment that is running in mm-hmm. and the peripheral systems that it's dependent on as well. So that kind of experience really does lend itself to architecture and design planning yeah. When it comes to just you know effectively defining what or designing whatever solution uh, needs to be needs to fit the business problem mm-hmm. that you're presented with, bounced around a good few places as well, and I met uh, the CEO of Base Ben Folks uh, when I was um, at uh, Deluxe. It was I think it was in 2014, 2015, and I've known him since then and kind of stayed in touch. Mm. And then I exited Twicken and Film Studios after my uh, head of technology and uh, engineering role there and joined as a, a joint based initially as a solution architect and then transitioned into head of product development, which is a new division that we started this year in January. Wow. 
That is a really interesting career path, you know, um, genuinely is. And what I love about that is it it just seems that, you know, through the, through the years, it just seems that you've embraced technology and always moved kind of a little bit ahead of the curve. Is that, would you say that was right? I definitely like to believe so, yes. Yeah. I feel that stagnation is without doubt a, a problem. Yeah. And I appreciate where people can get so... Uh, enthusiastic around technology and how cool something is. But one of the things that I've learned is, you know, there is a a give and take to the compromise with that level of enthusiasm because Mm. one has to look at things from a business perspective as well, taking into account the financial aspect of, say, for example, you've bought a bit of kit, that CFO has signed off on that bit of kit. There's a depreciation value of that bit of kit across five maybe ten years mm-hmm. depending on you know, the level of expense incurred well that company isn't just going to suddenly pivot three years after that initial purchase yeah. just to the next latest and greatest shiny thing right so you have to be mindful of what's coming down the track what trends are effectively in effect and what trends could take and what trends could fall away and it's not just about focusing on how cool and great something is there's a wider remit that anybody within a leadership position needs to have to be mindful of not just being able to whatever it is you stand up or develop or deploy that is maintainable and supportable for a long period of time Mm -hmm. but it actually maintains a level of value to the business with respect to the investment that the business presenting Mm -hmm. to you in order to kind of get this project off the ground interesting so it's almost you know it seems that the way you see it is business problems come first and the tech to fix them comes well then the tech comes essentially absolutely the the tech is your is your toolkit right if you think about it from a construction analogy you have a client that wants you to go that as employed yourself to go and build a house Ben. Mm. that client doesn't care what tooling you use Ben to build doesn't care what great it doesn't care if it's a dewalt drill or a bosch drill that you're using right it just cares that okay is that structure sound and within building regulations yes or no yeah is my SaaS product you know truly SaaS? is it self-healing right is it resilient etc etc these are the things so a lot of people comes back to my point they they get so focused on the cool and shiny tech absolutely the client doesn't care about that the client cares have you solved my business problem and you know am i making a cost savings on this Mm. and if you can deliver that so that's why any solutions architect or software engineer worth their salt, they start with what the business problem is first and work back from that. Yeah. And the business problem, the answer to that is comes before any UI, UX or anything like that. It's always, are we solving problems? Mm, brilliant. I could continue down this, this path of uh, <laughs> right now for a long time, but we need to talk about base a little bit and, and what that is as a service. We'll definitely come on to more the slightly more AI and technical stuff and the impact of that in, in a little bit. But I do want to hear a little bit about base just for a bit of context of, of what it is that you do there as well. Sure. So base can be summarized as an online media integration solutions provider and the nice thing about that is it's one invoice from one provider. There's a challenge right now with a lot of procurement uh, people in the industry where they have to go out and look for a variety of products just to kind of get a solution in place mm-hmm. that provides a, you know, that, that gets them over the line and, and solves the business problem that they have. But what, and what they're looking for is one product that does all. However, within the realm of 
product development. That's not always, that's not going to be the case. Those products don't exist. So what you need is a collection of products. Mm -hmm. So being an, an online media integrations uh, solutions provider is base is as a company, as a, as a service provider in that respect, base is that singular product that you can avail of. And we will handle all those integrations and across all the various media uh, products that you require to provide you that ultimate workflow solution mm -hmm. to a given pipeline that you're trying to stand up. That could be anything from rushes, ingest to, you know, international versioning to just to transcoding to just as simple as storage really mm -hmm. as well. Uh, we have a variety of different tiers. And the main thing that I really have to convey is basis. We're not IT. We specialize in media technology workflows. Right catering to not just film and TV, because I, I appreciate the buzzwords I just used there, transcoding, media processing, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And you think, oh, film and TV. No, it's a media entertainment component, yes, but we cater to all aspects of people that happen to require those services. Mm. From, yes, film and TV studios, to big luxury brands, to people in the education sector, to even you know local job blogs down who may have a monopoly in the local town that you live yeah. everybody is is in the realm of content creation right mm -hmm. now so we offer uh, you know a, a one-stop shop to provide you the, all the integration services you need mm. to satisfy whatever workflow you may be standing up well that's pretty amazing to be honest with you jack groundbreaking stuff really i'm gonna it's, it's a bit of a difficult question this because it's well let's see what you think but in in your experience as head of product development. So if you think about your whole entire role there at base, including, you know, the work that you do, all the things, staying ahead of the curve, new technology, new ideas, all that kind of thing, and the people in the business, I, I really want to find out what is the most, in your opinion, what's the most important aspect of your role? What does that boil down to? I would, I definitely feel that for me and also embodying the values of base is as a leader in the business for product development my primary role is to be there for my team my team are the ones that get this get stuff done and it is my role to make sure that they have everything in their in their arsenal to do that and that involves great things like you know making sure morale is good and they're happy they have everything they need as well as not so nice things and making sure that you know dealing with any political politics that may come up with partners, clients, whatever that, whatever that may be. It's a case of like you are a parent and you want to look after your kids and make sure your kids have all the opportunities they can to thrive in school or thrive in their career as they, as they get older. And um, it's the same thing. Weird analogy, but I think you get where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, it's, it's really, I find this really, really interesting because, you know, I've been doing podcasts with tech, professionals for probably three or so years now and i've recorded out like a thousand episodes so i find it really interesting you can almost see uh, these kind of buzzwords that happen almost like cyclically like uh, like seasons so i remember when i first started talking about culture with tech people it was the, the everyone was talking about the culture and how important culture is and how a table tennis table and beers on a Friday in a beer fridge isn't culture and that kind of thing. Then that kind of faded away. Then people started talking about empathy a lot. 
and how important that was for senior leaders and managers to have empathy. Then that kind of died down a little bit. And then people started talking a lot about trust and how important it is to trust your team and how how important it is for your team to trust you. Then now everyone's talking about purpose and how important it is to have, and it comes up all the time, you know, you see it and it's like, oh, people are starting to talk about purpose now. And then everyone starts to talk about it. And that's what people are talking about now. But what that has kind of made me realize is that it feels that we have, have we figured it out yet? You know, if it's every four months, if we're constantly changing what we think is important, have we figured it out yet? It's too much of a multifaceted thing as a manager to understand and really understand into one buzzword what it is that your team wants almost. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And one thing is, it's easy to put these words on a wall Mm. or in a dossier or a brochure of your business. It's, It's another thing to actually put them into practice and stay to that. And I think one of the, the ever-changing aspects of where you talk about how we figured it out, how we not, we have to look inwards and acknowledge one thing about ourselves. We're human beings. And what is a human being? A human being is an imperfect being because we're emotional creatures. Yep. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Our requirements change and evolve day to day. And any kind of company that is truly about embracing and practicing morals such as trust and empathy are very much aware of that. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, I don't believe trust should be a core value. It should be a given. So it should be something that's practiced off the cuff. It it shouldn't be something that's on a wall. It should be part of just general day-to-day operational principle, right? I mean, everybody is adults here and trust is a given. I I think empathy is one that definitely i think is one that people have a have a struggle to kind of understand or or at least put into practice because everybody has different viewpoints and empathy and at least at base we we acknowledge i don't know if i can curse i was going to say say something happens but life happens right (laughs) um stuff happens day to day so life is unpredictable and it's just about being mindful of that Mm -hmm. Of course, at the same time where business is concerned, anytime, you know, you, you need to give somebody a mental health day or be empathic. And for example, we don't really take into account, or oh, you need to go and take your holiday if you are going to a doctor. No, it's parcel. Go to your checkup. Let me know how you're getting on. Hope all is okay. Uh, let me know if there's anything we can do for you. Of course, again, from a business standpoint, all of those things do cost businesses money right so it's a give and take it's a give and take scenario right well the trade-off is from a trust standpoint i expect you to be empathic to us Mm -hmm. as a business when our deadline is still approaching and we still need to get stuff done right we still need to deliver because guess what that deadline is is uh influencing the inbound revenue for this project that inbound revenue pays your salary. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a uh, you know and th- these are the things it's it's stuff people take for granted when they just come in into a business and I think if if people can uh, you know embrace a wider understanding of just how businesses work and not and not take for granted all the things that a business does for you by being employed, uh, I think that level of bidirectional empathy mm-hmm. gets established and becomes uh, synergized much stronger between the your line manager and the people that work for you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How, how much do you think this comes down to the people that you hire? And I was going to say culture fit, but I really don't like that. 
um, and comes down to the people that you hire and purpose. I'm going to say pur- the purpose fit for the business. I like that term purpose fit because ultimately you 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 want to make sure that the people that are coming into the, your team to work to you and work with the team that they are there because they want to be there. Mm-hmm. They are there because their purpose is or that that level of fulfillment is that they want to do a they want to do a good job. They have a purpose in being there, whatever that purpose may be. It could be they want to accrue a certain amount of experience to go and get a certain accreditation. And that will be their purpose for that period of time to then have them, help them move up to further their career path and move up the actual uh, pecking order in terms of seniority within a role or whatever job function they might be pursuing. And th- these things change. So it's very good, within the, very important within the interview process to really have a line of questions that establish the um, point of them being hired from a personal perspective on their side is what is their purpose? Yeah. You know, for example, do they do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity for mm-hmm. it? And I think the capacity piece is also important. Do they have the capacity to evolve and change and continuously learn new technologies, be able to adapt over time? Because sometimes people don't want to do that. Mm. They just want to stay there. They just want their job function to be, they view it as uh, as a role where they only want to take the salary and then they have other interests outside of work. Perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. We have a job function in in base that will satisfy exactly that. But don't come in and say, oh, I want to do A, B and C. I want to grow this. I want to evolve this and then fall into that role. And it's also up to the employer, such as myself when doing interviews, to, to kind of ask those questions yeah. and then follow up with the technical assessments and all that mm. after the fact, right? Because those things take a little time, but you got to make sure that the person is aligned with what, you know, what your focus is and what your requirements are. Mm. That's really interesting because I find that that's a difficult one. If, if I was going for an interview, it's almost like a taboo to say, I just want to do the job take the salary, you know, I've got a lot of things going on outside of my work life. I just want to do the job for the hours permitted and take the salary. I, mean, you, I don't know. I'd struggle saying something on those lines. Well, the secret, the secret is there's a filter which you can apply. And it, in a way, it subconsciously drives people to apply for a specific role or job function without needing to be that direct. And that secret is the job description. Right. How many job descriptions, if you were to just go up and on Indeed or or Grapevine or or Glassdoor, are actually to the point and very succinct as to what that role is? Ninety nine percent of them out there are generic, bloated, yeah. and want you to be a superstar across yeah. everything. Right? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, you could have some. I want you to be a go engineer working on back end. And I want you to understand uh, Kubernetes infrastructure as code and everything to do with GitOps and DevOps. Yeah, okay. Uh, Good luck finding that person. I mean, there is somebody out there, but they're probably going to cost you an arm and a leg because that volume of experience, and they're probably going to be a robot. Yeah. Because in order to have that level of comprehension of that level of complexity for each one of those subject matters, other aspects of their personality will have to have been sacrificed <laughs> to really get out of that. So, you know, they, they, this is the thing in, in the software development world. There is that term 
cognitive overload, mm -hmm. where things are now getting very complex, that it's almost impossible for somebody to be, you know, a full stack developer now and yeah, have that yeah. season level of experience yeah. at each one of those levels of the stack. And businesses need to be mindful of that. So focus on your job description, break it down, be very clear and succinct as to what that job function is, and then bolt on a career path to that so where you can go within the organization and work with if you can, if you have if if you're able to work with a with a solid recruiter that, that gets it, mm -hmm. or if you have the resource internally, and what you will start to see is a, that that acts as a funnel, and then the right candidates start landing in the right inboxes. Yeah, it's such a difficult thing is hiring, especially in the in this space. Uh, it, it almost seems that people move around these these jobs so quickly. That's why I think that purpose fit is really important so the other side of the coin where so say if you've got someone joining the team and how do then you manage expectations for those people and you know salaries benefits and then and there's other things like remote work and uh on-prem and hybrids you know all these different things people obviously want different parts of each of those so how do you manage those expectations you know, that is probably one of the more challenging aspects yeah. of hiring because there is salary benchmarks out there that you can go and per locale, which are quite ambiguous to be, to, to be honest, because they don't take into account, you know, speciality within one area of, of a given language stack or, or, or um, application specific requirements. But oftentimes they are in some way, in, somewhere inflated with respect to the big tech companies that have that monetary resource to absorb and, and hire a larger scale, which you know, in, a, in a way erodes the opportunity for the small to medium sized companies, which is which is based to kind of actually get a piece of the pie. Yeah. Uh, with respect to talent, however. If you are, a, again, it comes back to that job description where you're very clear in terms of what your requirements are. And if those requirements align with a certain individual's purpose, uh, you will find that sometimes people who want to achieve that purpose for a period of time oftentimes will be quite content with a salary package that reflects their cost of living needs and, and then some. And if they're able to then work remote or they're, they're hybrid, um, you know, those things are negotiable based upon where they are or, or what the job function uh, fulfillment requirements are. And oftentimes when you present that to people, uh, you will, of course, a lot of people will be sitting there going, I want X because that's what Google offered me or that's what, that's what Google says it is. And those people just won't budge. But there are people out there. You you do, but you do got to dig yeah. for them. You you do have to find them, and you have to be very clear in your messaging. Very again, very clear in your job description. Very clear in the hiring windows, and even us internally, we have to be very quick on acting as well. We have to have our stuff together. And the other thing as well that quite is quite nice is from interview to job offer being relatively quickly if that person is on board because other so other big companies are quite bloated within their hiring process. Mm -hmm. Some cases to almost taking five to six months to hire. Wow. Um, wow. That's the, 
that's the kind of the gold nugget opportunity that small to medium companies have. Mm. Get your HR processes in order, get your job description very clearly defined, aka have a strategy internally, know what you're developing, know what you're building, know when it needs to go to market, and then be very clear as to the resources you, you require to in order to make that happen. Mm. Whether it's contract, full-time, et cetera, et cetera, is irrelevant and very, very specific to the, the project in question. But you have, the, you have the opportunity to move quicker. And I find any, any engineer who's worth their salt are more interested in solving problems than they are what their benefit package is. Yeah. That's from my experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to talk about, we, we mentioned at the beginning, kind of staying ahead of the curve with technology. Obviously, AI at the minute is what everyone's talking about. I really want to talk about the impact of AI and how it's impacted your business and what what you guys do and the roles that you have in place there. Has it, is it the emperor's new clothes? Is it really in, involved in what you're doing or, or are you just kind of like waiting and seeing? How, how does that look from your point of view? We, we do use AI in two fronts. We obviously resell AI services to, to customers for, you know, facial recognition, image tagging, object detection, all, all of that stuff. We have services uh, that people can, you know, integrate into to avail of those internally from a development standpoint. Mm. Uh, we have dabbled with it. We do use it. We, we actually had it part of our testing uh, framework, but what we found was just we still had to allocate a resource to review the output before utilizing said output. And the reality was for the length of time that that took, we would have just been able to write everything manually yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Now, that said, I do feel that maybe give it five years, six years, it will probably present a... I suppose higher barrier of entry for for junior roles to a point. It you know it, it it will become that you know other tool as part of your toolkit that you would rely on, and oftentimes some of those other pieces of work that would often be dedicated out to a junior to do uh, will be kind of work par- parcel with a uh, AI toolkit, for example. There's also the the as- there's also the other piece, which is a legal piece, where we still haven't had a legal precedent set or or a we need we basically need two or three big court cases to kind of get settled where a precedent can be set with respect to how ai is being used mm. i mean you see that with you know gilbert in court right now you've got you know, the hollywood writer strike on right now with respect to how studios want to use ai to capture people's likelihood and, and not pay them necessary royalties so all of these things, once a precedent is set and certain court cases happen, uh, we will then kind of get a baseline of what is acceptable, what's not acceptable with respect to how AI should be used, especially the the, the, the models underneath it. Um, so it, it's it, it's a tricky one. Some things are really some some aspects of it are, are really good, um, where you know where we have the you know ChatGPT is really helpful with people for for people just to kind of refine maybe texts if you're somebody that doesn't natively speak English, it can be quite beneficial to just dump it in and refine refine it. There's other tools out there like Grammarly that already are, are doing that. I, I see it, at least for the next while, as being something that is just another toolkit in your in your arsenal of tools that you can that you call upon. 
but it still does require that manual oversight of, of a resource just to double check. Mm-hmm. What I've realized, uh, or what kind of struck me when people first started using kind of chat GPT and things like that in, you know, in the last year or so, what I found really fascinating about that was it was creatives that were using it as a tool. I found, you know, well, in fact, I was most surprised by the creatives using it as a tool. You know, if you're working with a marketing person, you know, they'd say, oh, it's amazing. I've just written six blog posts in this morning where, you know, yesterday I did one, you know, I've managed to do six today because of ChatGPT. And it's like, well, that kind of takes away the fun of the job, really. You know, if you're a writer and you're a marketeer and you're, you're wanting to express your opinion on something, surely that's the enjoyable part of what you're doing. It actually takes away the creativity. And it almost makes it more of a menial task. Whereas I thought kind of AI in these situations would have taken away the menial tasks and brought in more creativity. It was almost the opposite. And I thought this has made people's jobs less fulfilling in a way, you know, more kind of lazy, you know, you kind of push a button, you get blog posts written for you and you copy and paste them. It's like, well, that's not really, I don't see the point in that. I don't like that at all. And there was something else that you mentioned that I found really interesting, which was if you're using AI for for certain aspects of of your work at base, that you had to spend more time checking it, you might as well have just done it yourself as a human. And I've had the exact same experience. You know, I've I've dabbled using AI to help me with editing work. And it's like, I still don't trust it enough. You know, you still have to check it. Sometimes it's not that good. So I just end up now, I just, it's not, we're not quite there yet for it to impact mm. people's lives as we, th- we thought. It would yeah, be. I think the sensationalism behind the the trend i wouldn't say marketing but i i say it's actually sensationalized trends yeah. more so than than marketing to be honest uh, is uh of, is a little bit ahead of the curve with respect yeah. to the reality of where it is right I yeah mean, absolutely yeah and you're totally totally right let's wrap up on a quite a big question that i like to ask if you could rewind time back to the start of your career is there anything that you'd, you'd have done differently if you could if you could go back in time no because I needed those events to happen in order for me to learn and be where I am today. Yeah. I think about that question myself throughout various times of my life. And I always find that if you're in a good place in your life and you've got a good job and you're happy, you wouldn't change anything because you think, well, no, because it's led me to where I am today, sat here doing this. If you're between jobs and you're not in a great place, then you think, well, yeah, I would have changed that, actually. You know, I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't have done that again. And, you know, you missed all these opportunities. So I guess that depends on where you're at. So I find that an interesting question. Yeah. And it prepares you for to have those things on your radar when you move on to your next chapter. Absolutely. And I just highlight the importance of if you feel like something's missing or you're lacking experience, ask for help. There's no shame in it. The team that worked to me totally different backgrounds neglect the group of individuals and it's fascinating what comes out of that mm. and when you're viewing a problem from different perspectives it's perspectives formed from different experiences it, it's it's actually very 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 fascinating and interesting to observe that because if everybody came from a highly focused engineered where they maybe started building mainframes and then graduated into, you know, data center management and then into 
SaaS world, you'd probably getting this more of the same output, but it's quite interesting when people come at things without someone's having that hardcore engineering lens, it simplifies what they can see or simplifies the problem. And then it's like, oh, there's a solution. And I think a, a good example of that is sometimes where, where we're concerned, it could be the customer success person or the salesperson or the CEO, mm. non-engineering folk that have to, that come with the, with the solution. And like, oh yeah, we can do that. Perfect. And the solution's already known, then the engineering is handled just to, automatically, right? It's, 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 it's a commodity that just, that just takes care of itself. And that's one of the things I think when it comes to just working with businesses and clients, again, it comes back to the first point. They don't care about the level of detail. I mean, yeah, on the invoice, you need to make sure that <laughs> all of that information is captured for sure, but they don't need to be explained to them in, in, in some cases, excruciating detail, Yeah, right? You got to get that balance. Perfect. Jack, I could honestly, I could honestly sit here. I can't believe how quick this time has gone. I cannot believe that. I could sit here all afternoon and talk to you. I'm very aware you're a very busy person, so I've got to let you go. But I think that was a really nice statement to end on. It's all about balance. That kind of covers everything pretty much that we've talked about. One final word from you, Jack. The floor is yours. You can share anything that you like right now uh, for the listeners. Could be what we've spoken about. Uh, it could be business related or personally related. Anything you'd like to say as a final message. The floor is yours, Jack. I realize I put you on the spot there, but go for it. I think one thing I would say was would be don't negate your own well-being. Burnout is very real. Yeah. And you may not come back from it. So always just be mindful of your own general well-being and health. Because without that, you're not good to anybody, not even yourself. That's true. Really good. Brilliant. Jack, thanks so much for taking this time out of your day to do this. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you, Ben. It was great to get on. Absolutely. Keep up the amazing work you're doing. And uh, I'd love to chat to you again sometime. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that happens at some point. Fantastic. And that wraps up another episode of Leading Beyond the Code. We hope you've enjoyed today's discussion and gained valuable insights into the world of leadership in technology. Your support means the world to us, so please make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave a nice review. Together, we can expand our reach and make a positive impact on the tech community. Until next time, keep pushing boundaries, embracing innovation, and leading beyond the code.